0: Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. Today my wife Lauren is going to be hosting this episode and she is joined by coach Meredith Black, the head women's lacrosse coach at Marquette University and also the owner and operator of Black Lacrosse, a local Milwaukee girls lacrosse club. In this episode, Meredith shares a lot of her experience and expertise in the sport of lacrosse. Everything from how she got into lacrosse and got recruited to play at Notre Dame, what made her a successful collegiate player, how she transitioned into coaching, traits that she sees makes players successful and things that she looks for when she's recruiting a player how lacrosse has grown over the last 10 years and how she approaches her club as black lacrosse and what she looks for developing with that this is a very exciting episode obviously very uh, informative for any lacrosse player particularly a ladies lacrosse player but honestly i think a lot of great information for anyone that wants to get recruited to play a college sport it's rare to hear from a coach to get ideas of what they're looking for, for recruiting athletes. Um, and then also very relevant for someone that's owning and operating a, a club team in a specific sport. So it's going to pertain to a lot of other club sports as well. And a very interesting perspective coming from both a club Uh, operator, and then also a head division one lacrosse coach to get their experience and perspective on club sports and travel sports in general. So a really good episode. I think everyone is going to enjoy and learn a lot from what Meredith has to say. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports
1: Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Falk, and I'm joined today by Meredith Black. Meredith is a head coach for Marquette Women's Lacrosse. And she's actually the first, the program's first ever coach at that. She just came off of a successful season, finishing 15 and four with the highest seed in the Big East tournament, um, with their highest seed in the Big East tournament, and an at large bid to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. On top of being a head coach, she also runs Black Lacs, which is another, which is a local girls' lacrosse club. Uh, and then on top of that, she's a mom and everything else. So she's a busy lady. I'm really excited to be able to uh, have her on today to share with us her experience, a little bit about her background, um, and also share with us the experiences and perspectives on the growth and the future of women's high school and collegiate lacrosse. Lacrosse is a relatively new sport to the Wisconsin area. Is that a fair statement to say, Meredith? Yes. Um, So I really look forward to learning more about it. Um, So first of all, Meredith, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really excited. So, fun story. So, I actually used to work at Marquette when Meredith was just getting started with the women's lacrosse program, um, which is a very interesting, interesting thing to step back and watch as a university is adding a collegiate, actually two collegiate programs. They added men's and women's lacrosse at the same time, um, and that's not an easy feat. <laughs> no,
2: oh my gosh, no. Yeah,
1: I can, and I, I can't wait to learn a little bit about that. Like, let's just take a little bit of a step back. So, before we get going, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, in lacrosse, how you got started, and how that played out for you?
2: Yeah. So um, I'm. I grew up in New Jersey, and um, lacrosse is a very much East Coast sport. Absolutely. Um, but even in New Jersey. I didn't have an opportunity to play until high school. So my first year playing was a uh, freshman year of high school. Oh, wow. My brother is older than me, um, a little bit older. And he actually had the ability to start playing in middle school. And then, so he started when he could. And then I, he said to me, and I was playing softball. I played I played um, soccer, basketball, softball at, oh, wow. for my school. And softball is the same season as lacrosse. So freshman year became like, do I play softball or lacrosse? And my brother influenced me to to switch over to, um, lacrosse. I'm not sure if the softball coach was thrilled, but it, uh, it (laughs) was, that's kind of where I got started. And, um, you know, I kind of never looked back. Uh, it's, it's a great sport. And even though it's East coast heavy, even growing up in, um, in New Jersey, like I said, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go until, um, freshman year. So it's really like a Maryland, uh, like kind of down by Maryland, Virginia, they've really had it the longest and then long Island and then sort of Jersey and, you know, kind of those other States started up too, but Wisconsin really just started. So, um, everyone I talked to my age who grew up in Wisconsin had no opportunity to play lacrosse. It wasn't even, they didn't even know what it was.
1: No, I honestly, um, I played field hockey in high school and I was one of four schools in Wisconsin that had that as well. And field hockey is very much an East coast sport too. So Mm -hmm. you figure having such limited exposure to a sport like that lacrosse was never on the docket when I was in high school or anything like that. So even I was very new to it because I'm a Wisconsin native and it was just very like solely, you know, East Coast sport. So yeah, when um when Marquette was bringing lacrosse to the area, I mean, you barely heard about high school programs or anything like that at the time. And I'm sure you felt that when you were recruiting.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, it just it's a very new thing to the area. I'd say what in the last like 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's kind of just gotten gotten rolling. And you know, so it's just kind of very interesting to. See something new come to an area and watch it grow, and you know the influences that we need to bring over to help expose people to this level, Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I'm sure now that you're a New Jersey implant to Wisconsin, that's
2: right. (laughs) Had to
1: adjust to a few things, I'm sure. Oh yeah, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, you see a lot of coaches from the East Coast that have come this way to help grow the sport and stuff like that, which is really pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and you had a very successful career. You played for Notre Dame. Yes. But tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So similar uh, story, actually, my brother was being recruited to play (laughs) in in college. He's a year, a a grade above me. Um, So he was going through the recruiting process and Notre Dame men's coach came to visit him. um, The team, the coach that just won national championship this year with the men's team. So he came to our house just for like a recruiting visit. and. Uh, me and him were like talking and laughing and he's like, do you play? And I was like, oh yeah. And so he went back to the coach, the women's coach and was like, you should check out this girl. It's a package and, deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't, but like she did, she came to my games and uh, you know, I skirted my way in there barely on the edge of my seat there. Um, and so I, it was very, yeah, you know, maybe Irish luck there, but um, luck of the Irish for me, but I, I, yeah, I was able to go and I had a really successful career. I was an all American by my, I was the first, uh, first team all American for Notre Dame. Um, cause it was relatively newer sport at Notre Dame at that time too. I mean, I got there in 2000, it had started in 1996. So, um, it was four years into the program. So, you know, still relatively new, but anyway, uh, we were able, we were the first team to go the NCAA's and. Do a lot of stuff while I was on the team. So that was cool. And um yeah, it was a great, it was a great experience.
1: Yeah, Notre Dame's not a bad place to do it. No, no, it was it's fun. When I hear you talk about it, so I mean you were a multi-sport athlete, really leading up mm-hmm. to this transition. Do you think that, that um influenced your athletic abilities and kind of who you were as an athlete?
2: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think um if you want to be a successful athlete. at any, at any next level. So in high school and then in college, and then in maybe professional, depending on whatever you do, like the best thing you can do for yourself early on in your life is play as many sports as possible. Mm -hmm. I think, um, if for as long as you can, right. Like obviously when I had to stop playing multiple sports, when I got to college, because I had to focus on just, on just, uh, lacrosse in college. And so, but now I'm back to playing multiple sports. I play soccer, I play basketball, I do other things. Um, But for those four years, I did just kind of do lacrosse, but um, as long as you can. And so I think kids are starting to pull that trigger in high school now. And I would suggest that's not the best way to do it. I would suggest trying to play as many sports as you can through high school Um, if, and if you're going to go on and play in college and obviously you might have to stop and do just that, but I think the best you can do. And so as a little kid, I mean, I have young kids, they play every sport. We let them try everything. We let them do everything. And then there's no specialization. And, and then when you get into middle school, do it all. Then when you get into high school, try to do three, um, the minimum do two and then, um, when you get to college, hopefully if you're still playing, then obviously you have to cut to one.
1: Well, I just think it's really good for people to hear that. Like you've lived it, you physically experienced the benefits of it. You're a coach who is recruiting division one athletes and you're still promoting it. You know, I think that there are a lot of things going on in the athletic world that are trying to push kids in one direction or another, And, you know, myself being an athletic trainer on the sidelines, we talk about all the benefits of being a multi-sport athlete too, injury prevention wise, mental health, even just like changing up your gears, changing up your roles, you know, it gives you more mental and physical diversity, um, you know, and like I look at, I remember there was, um, we had a men's soccer player who was actually also being recruited for basketball. And he was one of our best defenders because he knew how to get up in the air. He knew how to pivot. He knew how to turn on someone better. He knew like all these other skills from one sport are very applicable into the next at times, you know, and those are the, the players that you can almost see those physical skills and stuff like that. And, but I just love hearing that there's a division one coach standing there being like, no, please. And yeah. for as long as you can do more than one sport for as long as you can. And yeah, obviously once you're in college, you're at a place where you have to specialize, but you know, take advantage of the time that you do have to do those things. Cause you've lived it, you've coached it and you recruit it. Yeah. Um, and you don't see that as a negative when you're recruiting. Oh,
2: no, all my colleagues would agree. You talk to any coach at any university in the country. And they would say at least women's lacrosse, I think a lot of coaches from a lot of sports would say that, but I know for
1: women's lacrosse, we all feel the same way. So absolutely super cool. Well, I love that you feel that way and are holding to it. Mm -hmm. So you actually had the opportunity to coach for Notre Dame when you were done Mm -hmm. and you coached for two other programs as an assistant coach on a variety of levels. And then you got this great opportunity to be the first head coach in a program's history, which has got to be. I mean, exciting and intimidating all in one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as you went through those coaching experiences and obviously you get the kind of the chance, obviously you're actively participating in, but you're also watching and learning. What were some of the things that you took from your time in those programs and said, hey, this is how I want to build my program as the head coach at a new school?
2: Yeah. So throughout my uh, journey, I started at Towson when I was really, I just graduated. I graduated college went to Towson University, which is in Baltimore or outside of Baltimore. And, um, that was my first job. I was there three years. And while I was there, um, you know, I worked for three different bosses or three different head coaches. So that was really great experience. They were very different, but they, um, so they all provided me really different, unique perspectives on kind of how to do this job and to do it well. They were all great at their job. But I think, um, what I did at Towson what I started at Towson and finished through is like a little, like a journal. Um, sort of just like this it, at the time, it was just a word document where I literally just wrote thoughts when they came. So if like something went like, if we lost a game and like maybe I noticed like how we coached it and we could have done something better. I just write that down, but maybe mm-hmm. something went really well. Like we won at Towson, we won our conference tournament. So like, wrote thoughts about that. Like we did this today and that really, that really worked. The team really responded well to that. Or we did this, or I said this, or Missy, who's my boss, she said this. And so just wrote notes, good, bad, indifferent, but anything that like I felt was important enough to write down. So this journal was just like, well, you know, there was no like story to it. It was just thoughts, Thoughts.
1: running thoughts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and then I kept it through Notre Dame and then I kept it for um, Berkeley or Cal. And then, uh, you know, by the time I got here, I was interviewing for the job and I had, you know, I wanted to write my like philosophy. I wanted to like talk about wh- what I am plan to do and, and kind of how I plan to do it. And that really helped that little journal or whatever you want to call it really helped because um, it really helped me wrap my thoughts into how okay, now I'm at the helm. How am I going to lead this program? What am I? And, and, you know, of course that evolves as you go, but at the time without having ever done it. And I had a really good idea of some of the core values that I wanted to do to, to live by. And I think since it's been 12 years and I've, I still live by those core values, no doubt everything and everything I do, but I do think very differently than I did on my first year.
1: Yeah, well, we would all hope that we've evolved from year yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't, I might be concerned then. I know. Probably yeah, I mean, have you would learn, like especially when you're new at it, you know, and things like that. So, what was that like having the experience to start a brand new program?
2: It was, and
1: it also being your first role as a head coach.
2: Yeah, it was amazing and in so hard and so rewarding all in the same time. So like. I always say, like, I have I have two kids. You have a you have a a son. Like, starting a new program was harder than parenting. It's harder than like raising kids, and
0: because you got like 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 forty of them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you have the kids, but then you have like everything else, and I'm like, holy cow! Like, we had to like order everything. We'd order our office supplies. We had to order obviously our lacrosse supplies. Like, we just like here, here's the job, and here's from scratch,
1: literally. Yeah,
2: and good good luck and i'm like oh so i have to build and obviously i knew that but like you don't you know that right but then you get into it and if you just take over someone's job the budget's built the they at least have some documents that they did this and i mean we had nothing so i'm like holy cow like i had to pull from a little bit from our cal database to even get players to like on campus because i had no other way of accessing players and then you have to build your database. You literally have to build everything. So it was so, you know, difficult. And I think every time you you sit down to to do something, you're like, oh, I have to start that from scratch too. It's not just like starting the team from scratch and getting the players. It's like everything starts from scratch. But it's so, but it's so rewarding because as you saw that build and come together, and we won our first game, and it we didn't win our first game when we won our first game, which is our yeah. second game ever. Um, being played it was and it was overtime like you can't be a better win than that it's just like all those things just make it like wow and then you look back and you're like people ask what was your favorite part and it's like I don't know like there were so many milestones that were so cool to accomplish so and each of them was really important and even though like winning a game right now is is not that like it seems insignificant at the time like that seemed like, when is that ever, is that ever going to happen? And and then when it did, it was just the coolest thing. So
1: when you guys were in such a unique situation that, you know, Marquette brought you on, but they were still in the midst of preparing to have a lacrosse team physically, like within right. their facilities and everything, like they built out your offices right. in a new building. You guys had a storage pod for mm-hmm. your equipment. We you didn't really have a true <laughs> locker room. That was your own. Right. You know, and it was really kind of, I'm sure it had to be a huge leap of faith to kind of like, if you build it, they will come like, mm-hmm. you know, here you're having to recruit to players and saying like, I promise.
2: Yeah. Getting yeah. this,
1: <laughs> Yeah. you know, exactly. and just like, you know, I mean, and it was just the trials and tribulations of literally starting fresh. Yeah. And, but I'm sure, like you said, you know, I mean, obviously there were no notes to build from, so you got to Pull from old things you obviously had a probably a lot of learning along the way but you know you also didn't inherit an old coach's players mm-hmm. you know you got to yeah. pick all of your own and things like that so there are definitely some upsides to starting legitimately fresh too totally. um and building your and like you said it's literally been yours since day one it's been your values it's been your system you know and I think that's pretty cool and obviously it's Again, you're when you're starting fresh, like you've got the chance to reflect on your past to build your future, which again is kind of a rarity and very cool. And just looking at the program's growth over these years, a testament to the fact that, like, you know, you've stuck to these core values and you've had to, you know, watch your program evolve and grow. Like, probably your first players that you ever had may not necessarily win against the players you had now. Yeah. You know, but that means you've done it right. That you've done your player development, that you're, that you're having the opportunity to recruit better players because your program is growing and getting stronger and all that stuff. And that's really how it should be, you know, is that, um, you know, you keep climbing all the way through and that's pretty cool that you've literally had that trajectory. If you look at your record largely over the last 12 years, which is really cool to see. Um, so, uh, what was it like starting a program in the midwest i mean culturally <laughs> even you know mm-hmm. bringing lacrosse or being a part of like the beginning of lacrosse the midwest
2: yeah so to this day that remains the the most the biggest challenge right so um it like literally this year we got on we were on very much on the national in the national news and national presence because all these lacrosse you know USA lacrosse magazine and Um, inside lacrosse these are some big hitters that are baltimore based that they they wanted to interview us finally and one of my quotes was like welcome to 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 milwaukee we have lacrosse here too (laughs) and like seriously most people to this day from the east coast will say where's marquette and and then we'll say milwaukee and they'll say that's in wisconsin or or they'll be like is that in wisconsin like very questioning and then i'll (laughs) say yeah and then they'll say well where exactly is that?" and some, they have no idea we're on Lake Michigan. They have no idea. They, they kind of think we might be green Bay because they watch Patrick (laughs) games and they'll, you know, they'll see those on TV. So usually it's a snowstorm, and they kind of think it's near Chicago, but they have no idea. Um, you know, so it's, they probably assume with university of Wisconsin, Madison's in our same town, you know, like they just don't know. And, um, so and most of the, well, at least when we started the program, it's getting better, but most of the talent or you're like, you really want to have a 50% of your roster from the East coast, because that's just where you're going to get kids who've been playing the longest and and stuff. You definitely like we have had so much success with some in Minnesota, Illinois, like we're we crush the, all the non-traditional areas. No, no doubt, but it's still good to have like a little bit of a solid base of some East coast kids. And um, so getting them out here is, is the biggest challenge. And so, and then just getting like, yeah, like people to know where we are and that like, we can also be successful in in this sport um, has really, really been challenging. And we took a big leap forward this year with our season. I mean, people now know who we are that never had heard of us. So that's great. But, um, but still it's, I mean, it's still a huge challenge. And then in the, on the same side, I'm, you know, working with this, I started a a club team right in 2012 to try to get, I'm just my, I'm on a mission to grow the sport in the state because I want to be able to recruit right from our backyard and, and, and we're getting there. It's getting so much better, but it's, it's been a process and it's, and it will be, um, but it, it's been really fun.
1: Yeah. How has the lacrosse landscape changed in Wisconsin from like day one, when you were here compared to now, I assume we're seeing more clubs or maybe seeing it started an earlier age or. Yeah.
2: I'd say it's, uh, quadrupled in size since I started. Uh, it's pretty safe to say. And, um, yeah, I mean, when I got here, there was, you know, three or four schools that had it or high schools that had it. Uh, Arrowhead was the big school that had it. And then a couple others. And then um, now like I get an email a year, if not three asking for coaches, because a high school school, like I'll get a high school AD emailing and saying, do you know anyone that's coaching? And and that's a little bit of our problem right now is we're growing fast and we're, we're short on refs. We're short on coaches because people normally like in soccer, you can find a coach. It might not be a quality coach, but you can find someone who's played the game, or at least played it at the youth level. No one has played the game here in the state. So, like, if I called you, you might be willing to do it because you like coaching. But you're like, I've never played it. Mm-hmm. I can learn it. I'm athletic, but I've never played it. I have no idea what the rules are, and that's hard, you know, especially when you're starting kids who's all who's all who have also never played it. Yeah. Um, you need someone with knowledge, you know, of something. So finding the coaches to there's there's enough need It's just we're, we're we're short on everything but but it's really been cool I mean to see it like literally quadruple that might even be wrong it might be like 10 more. times the amount yeah. of when yeah. I started that's been really fun
1: absolutely no I mean from the athletes we treat I we've treated more lacrosse kids in the last two years than we have in our like five of being open I mean when we first opened I didn't have one lacrosse kid walk through our doors. So it just shows you just popularity wise, it's just happening more and definitely at younger ages, we've seen middle school kids now with it and things like Mm -hmm. that. It's just really cool to see a great sport, um, you know, continue to grow in this area and provide more options, you know, for kids Mm -hmm. to find a sport that they love, but you're right. The supply and demand is a little off balance at times. And hopefully that'll continue to improve as we have more kids go through this process and come back and hopefully coach and help like with stuff like that too. But yeah, it's pretty impressive.
2: It's so like ironic of, that we don't have it because it's a native American sport. The indigenous right? started it and we yeah. have such a great indigenous and native population in Wisconsin. I'm like, yeah. how has the sport missed us?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Literally, especially in this Midwest area, you're right. Yeah. We're rich in that history. Why totally. have we not capitalized on it? But great that we can reflect on that and hopefully think about that as it continues to grow here you know, totally. with all those things that are going on in the Wisconsin area. That's a very fair point. So kind of reflecting back on your experiences, what do you like, what draws Why do you want to be a college coach? What do you like the most about being a college coach? You have probably, you could probably go in any direction you wanted. Why this?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I'm trying to still like relive the glory days. I don't know. No, <laughs> um, give it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't let it go. No, I think um, when I was was in college at Notre Dame, I was a captain, and my teammates were like, "You should coach." And I was a American history major, sociology, so very much into thought. Maybe I would be like a history teacher in high school, and then like coach maybe on the side or whatever. But I, my teammates were like, "You need to coach. You need to coach." And I was like, "All right, like I mean, I don't see a big history um, degree." doing a lot for me right now. So, all right, like let's, why not? Yeah. Let's just like email. So I email coaches and um, I just, I, I'm like, uh, I think I have like le- uh, natural leadership tendencies. And I think when I was a captain, I was very much a coaching captain. I was like, no problem yelling at my play- my teammates and <laughs> telling them what I felt like they needed to be doing. And um, so very much like a very coaches mentality in that of like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not say what I'm feeling. And I, and right. I'm, and most humans have a little bit of control, but I, I think I have very much control issues. And I think that's coaches, a lot of coaches do because we, we, um, we like to problem solve. We like to be in control of the situation and do the best we can to like help, help ourselves control the situations. And so I think meanwhile, all I'm saying to my team is just control the controllables. Don't worry about the uncontrollables. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I it just, it's very natural to me. I enjoy it. It's a passion. And I think um, it's, I love, I'm super competitive. So I think like being able to do that daily, be competitive, yeah. is just fills a bucket for me. And so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's, there's, there's not a lot of money in coaching. So it's definitely not for that reason. I think it's very much for the competitive passion juices and buckets that I'm filling.
1: Yeah, it's who you are. Yeah. So on top of being a college coach, you started Black Lacks. You yeah, know, why not? Why
2: not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely <laughs>
1: Tell but, us a little <laughs> bit about that Black Lacks, like why you started it. Kind of tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So we started Black Lacks in 2012. Um, we just had like uh enough to field one team and it was like it was a youth team, and we just uh there was like a little youth league, which still goes on every spring. So we started there, um, with a goal to, to really, my goal is to, um, grow the sport in Wisconsin and give us and give kids like high school, middle school youth kids opportunities to play club, which is outside of the high school season, which is summer and fall basically so that you can get recruited if you want, like if you want to play in college right now, the pathway to playing in college is through club. So, um, you know, I wanted to give these guys that opportunity and I also want to grow the sport. I want people to learning the sport. So yeah. we have like within our club, we have teams that are sort of highly competitive, trying to, the the whole team's trying to play in college. And then we have teams that are really just um, there for the sport and they're playing and they might, and a lot of them, a couple of them will end up playing in college, but the, the main base is to learn, to grow, to learn the sport, play with some, like, play the sport for the love of the sport, which I love um, because I think some other sports have lost that a little bit. It's gotten so competitive that at the youth level that it's like driven away from that. And, and I, and I love that we still have that as part of our culture at Black Lacks. So we have, you know, different, different types of teams and really it's, it's just an opportunity for kids to come out and play. Um, Not all year round. We play in the summer and we play in the fall. And then um and then that we we encourage them to do other sports we do we encourage them to play a winter sport in their high schools or in their in their middle schools um and then we encourage them to play with their high school team obviously for lacrosse and then in the fall we are our practices are always on sunday so that they can also play a fall sport as well so um yeah so that's and it's really for the main chunk of the season is summer um when we do the most but uh yeah that's sort of what it's been and We've grown from I'd say we had at that point we had twelve kids in 2012 to now we have like 150 kids out there so it's uh
1: it's great. That's awesome, yeah. No, it's really impressive. One of the things I really like um that stands out to me about Black Blacks is you have an entire page on your webpage about culture. Yeah, and I, I really like that because as a company we always put our values at our forefront of how are you interfacing with people on a daily basis or who are you as a clinician and. I think it's really important that people never lose sight of those values. And I love that you're putting them front and center in a youth sports organization and talking about how you live them every day. Um, tell us about some of those values that you guys really promote and ingrain into your players.
2: Yeah. So um, like I said, I just said, I'm super competitive and most people who, tr- who play sports are or whatever. And, and you want to win. Winning is is fun and no doubt. But um, for us, it's really it's not about wins and losses. It's it's about learning the game. It's about getting better. It's about growing as a as a player through as a lacrosse player and as a person through lacrosse. So um, we really want to like we want the whoever joins our club to feel like they they got they gained something out of it. And it might be lacrosse skills and it, and it might be personal skills and it might be teamwork working skills and it might be, um, you know, how to lead leadership skills, like whatever, but, or it might be all of those. And hopefully it's all of those or some piece of all of those. So it's really important that you come in and you grow as a, as a person and a, and a lacrosse player. And when you're with us, fun is at the forefront. Like we have, you have to have fun. Um, they're like, why it's a sport and like sports are fun and losing stinks. And sometimes you, yeah, and sometimes you have a bad day and sometimes you get hurt and all those things aren't fun. And for that moment, but at the end of the day, you're doing something with, with love and passion. So you really should be enjoying it. Um, you should be enjoying it every step of the way. And if you're not, then you should rethink if, if it's the right thing for you to be doing. So fun, um, fun and learning and growing is really at, at the, at the forefront of our culture and then, um, winning, like seeing improvement and, and obviously winning games is, is like, a, it's part of it. And that's, and that's fun too, but, uh, we don't, we don't, we don't stat anything by the, by that we stat it all by, um, other areas of growth. So,
1: yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that Instilling that in kids starting at a young age, because these things are what's going to shape them on every team that they're on, not just this team. And hopefully these good leaders and, you know, good, like active participants, if you will, um, you know, they also then take that onto the other teams that they're with and, you know, share that uh, thought process with those around them too. Or, you know, just, you know, even just by leading through example, Mm-hmm. And taking those things um, is huge. But yeah, I mean, it's easy to succumb to the pressures and stressors of sport and lose sight of what it really is. And sport is a great vehicle, you know, for yeah. you to shape yourself as a human being and as you're going to grow into becoming an adult. And those, you know, uh intangible skills that you're going to have, that you're going to bring to the classroom, that you're going to bring to the work environment, that you're going to bring to your teammates, you know. And I think it's important that. Um, I did a podcast with Julia McRae who runs Let Kids Fly. And you know, oh, okay. he spends a lot of time talking about, you know, it's sports should not be about the coach. Sport should be about the player that's growing, learning, improving, you know, managing, you know, the wins and the losses and all this stuff, and just ultimately becoming a better person at the end of it, because usually the better person will be the stronger person, the more successful person, all that. So if we do it person first you know, it makes for a good experience all the way through. And I think that's really cool oh, to right. hear that there are coaches and um, programs in the area that keep that on their forefront mm-hmm. um, as a part of their program. Cause that's incredibly important. And they're not, every club is like that. Right. Um, and so it's right. great to see that it's easy to throw that out the door too, and only care about wins and losses at some point. And so for you guys to maintain that is just really great to see and very refreshing. Yeah. So with that, obviously, you have literally actually helped lacrosse grow in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where do you see going in the future? Do you think we're going to have more growth on the horizon? I do, I
2: do. I think um, you know it's it's funny.
1: My my, for
2: I have, geez, now I want to say four to five Blacklax originals, uh, now back in the state for one thing or another, coaching, and so they. They all, they all come back and coach. So that's what we need. So we need these players. So we're finally at the point where players who started in 2012 or whatever with us or 2013 are now like through college. So they, some of them are moving back to the area. And even if they go and do another job, like this is a part-time thing. So they can still coach and come to practices. And so, or maybe they can ref or whatever, like, so
1: gives them extra money.
2: And we need it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they, Give back to your lacrosse community. Yeah.
2: And we finally have, are, are in that cycle where, okay, people who might be interested or have time to coach have actually played the game. And it's not, you know, a parent who just is, we love the parent volunteers. We love that. But at the, like I was saying before, it's hard when they don't have any knowledge of the sport. So, um, so finally we're, you know, but I think, I still, still think we're at a growth faster than we can necessarily handle it but um but it's getting better and it'll continue to get better and um it's pretty cool to see how all these programs and we finally I think that I think this season was the first year that the high school was like sanctioned um so wow. prior to that it was it was a non-sanctioned high school sport and I think this past season was the first year it was or or maybe it was the second year but yeah. Anyway, but that's a big fixed. move. Yeah. That's a
1: big move for the sport in the state when that happens. No, it's totally. really exciting. So you're yeah. saying the underlying tone, give back to your sport.
2: <laughs> yes. Please come back, coach. I'm like, we like beg everyone that's in the area that we know has played. We're like, please. And they're and they're great. The most people yeah. do help out in yeah. some way.
1: So. I think when you lived it and you felt the shortage, you mm-hmm. know the need and things like that. And that's great. Totally. But Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll put a plug in there for everyone. We'll put the call out.
2: (laughs) Anyone you see that comes through your doors, that's played lacrosse, send them my way.
1: (laughs) Warm body holding a stick. Yeah. (laughs) We want more than that. Um, Absolutely. So um, since you are a head coach and you are regularly recruiting and you're watching all these kids in these younger situations and obviously overseeing that program, every coach is a little different, obviously, but what are some things that you look for in a player when you are recruiting?
2: Yeah, so um just in general, I'm not really yeah, just because I'm not allowed to speak too specifically, but in general, we look for a lot of things that I think, you know, people sometimes are like, okay, um really look for those intangibles like obviously speed and athleticism and the, and the skills of lacrosse. That would nest, that would probably like draw your eye um to a person, but it's it's like coachability and um and personality and work and teamwork and like we we watch all those things. And I think people think, oh, I, I score 10 goals a game, I'll get recruited. Maybe, but if you're not a good teammate and you don't listen to your coach and you don't work hard off the field and you, you know, and you're, and you're slow, but you can score 10 goals, you're probably not going to get recruited. So I think like um, it's really important to like take care of those things that are controllable because your six your you know, your lacrosse skills will be what they can be, but every coach really is confident that they can help teach lacrosse skills and, and the skills of the sport, right? Any sport, basketball, whatever. It's those other things that like, we can't really teach. If you're if you're if you work your if you're a very hard worker and we can see that you, you take advice from your coaches and we can see that you implement it, you work hard off on your own, um you put in you put in the work, you're a great teammate, you're always positive with your teammates, you um or encouraging or leadership or you you lead your teammates, even if it's not always encouraging but it's productive, um like we're gonna notice all that stuff. And, and we do. And that really does matter. And, and I think like also like a player who might not be like a goal scorer, but she's just, she just hustles. She's around the hustle is also a controllable because work hard on the field. You're always around the ball. Um, you're doing something, you're helping your teammate, you're cutting through, you're, you're making things happen, whether you be the one to do that or not. Like if you're part of that process, it's going to be really noticed. So yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah so not just always look. what you're doing when you're on the ball. There's so like, many other things that are being noticed.
2: Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah.
1: I and mean, that's just good to know because I think sometimes people, athletes, don't have that perspective of what you see through your lens. Right. And you know, you notice what that kid is doing when they're on the bench. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, it's just the you know all of those things, which I think is good for them to hear. You know, if you had a player ask you what they could do to prepare, grow, to potentially become a D one recruit what's some of your advice to them?
2: I'd say work hard and, and do, and really it's important to like sell yourself, um, on the, on the, in the process, you got to like put yourself out there. You got to market yourself. You got to, um, be at like, just, yeah, just like any, anything you got to like put yourself out there. You got to make connections. You got to, um, so like get, like there's a lot of like recruiting, like within the sport that you play, where for us there's like a there's kind of like one home base. It's called sports recruits, where like a lot of people, where all the coaches have access to. So we can go on and we can watch video and we can see all the information on a kid. Like do your homework in that sense of like selling yourself, getting your, your name out there, emailing coaches, getting yourself on that radar. So then when we do go to these tournaments and you're there. We're gonna watch you because you've been on our radar. You you've emailed us. You're interested in us, and then we can and sit and watch you in the game. But then on the on the flip side, work really hard. Like, do the extra work. Like you all practices for your club, but you should be working hard outside of practice and and focusing on like ex you know extra work, extra whatever it is. Doing Just your skill work, the best thing yep. you can do. Yeah,
1: sharpening and your so, skills. Yep.
2: Yeah. So really, like, do everything you can, like, feel like you you're like, I've done everything I can. I mean, I've put in the hours. I've emailed these coaches because if you just sit back and hope it comes to you, it will not. Because there's thousands of kids, thousands and only, you know, a certain number of spots for those kids to go into and, and play in college. So
1: what's going to make you stand yourself feel?
2: Yeah. Separate yourself and be one of those, those
1: top. Awesome. No, I think that's great advice. Okay. So super fast lightning round questions. Cool. These are just fun to like help people get yeah. to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, first question, what's your Starbucks order or are you not a Starbucks person?
2: I don't drink coffee.
1: What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is that
2: crazy? I know. So I don't, I mean, I would order a green tea because I okay. do love tea, Absolutely. um, but I don't drink coffee. Yeah.
1: That's fair. Impressive that you're a college coach and a mom. And you don't have that much caffeine running through your system.
2: Sometimes it's really a struggle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mad props you for that one. I steal this question from Brett. He did it once. Um, if you were stranded on a desert Island for um, the next coming months and you could take two foods with you, what would they be?
2: Foods, pizza. Can I just take like a pizza? Like, yeah. Have a pre-made ready to go.
1: Yep. Exactly. I'm, yeah. Pre-made ready to roll. <laughs> um, pizza
2: fake- and Candy,
1: pizza and candy, fair, yeah. fair. Take all your vices with you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like absolutely. Um, I'm, stuck.
1: I'm gonna enjoy it. <laughs> but the question is, is it like an East Coast style of pizza?
2: Yes, yes, New York slice, a New York. Okay. I I prefer white. Just I just like the white pizza. It's like ricotta and mozzarella, yeah. and it's so good. And they don't have it out here, so yeah, yeah. exactly. That actually sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Favorite professional sport or team to watch
2: New York Yankees. They're
1: oh, my team. We're yeah. Yankees. Is there a close second to watching the Yankees?
2: Um, No, but I have to say, I I'm really loving the Packers since I've moved here.
1: All right. So we, we at least got a little bit of Wisconsin blood. Yeah, in Yeah. 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 That's it's, awesome. They're,
2: they're cool to watch. And, and I love going to baseball games. So obviously mm-hmm. I can't go to Yankee games, So we'll go to, I, we go to a lot of Brewers games. We I love that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Something fun to take the kids to, too, and just experience sport in a different way when you're not working. Totally. It. Totally. Okay. Oh, <laughs> um, last one. So if you were to kind of look back at maybe like high school, you what's maybe one thing you would give yourself advice on looking back? Like if you were to tell that girl, Oh, geez. Oh, that's, Oh, um I leave you with the deep one for last I know I'm
2: like I don't even um just confidence just be confident and 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 don't be influenced by it at that age you're so um easily influenced by your friends or your parents or your your teachers and like those some of those influences are so great and sometimes it's really positive but like Being confident in confident in yourself and being true to you and like trusting, like, don't do something because your friend's doing it. You know, like I think I've I've always been a very confident person and haven't had to like use a friend to like reassure me or to like say what I'm doing is right. I I've just been able to stand my own two feet. And I think that's really made me successful in my life. And I think it's such a like girl power thing, and I think girls tend to just succumb to that peer pressure and 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 don't do it because if you don't love it, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Um, yeah. And if it feels yeah. right, do it and do it loudly and be the leader in that. Like if you don't want to do something that sounds bad, then tell everyone you're not doing it, and maybe someone will follow you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so no, that's I really think, true. Yeah, I think that was I, although that. I feel like I did a good job with that. I feel like that's good advice still to this day for me to, to follow to my I, I, for
1: me <laughs> and good for middle school and high school age girls to hear, honestly, yeah. you know, I mean, we've all had those questions in our mind and it's just good to hear someone who's lived it to say, Hey, I promise you, if you stick, stay true to yourself and, you know, be confident and stick to your guns, it'll all be worth it in the end. You know, because yeah. often in those moments as a high schooler may not feel that easy um, but ultimately, with high insight, we could tell you it's well worth it. Totally right. um, Great call on right. that one, I think. So thank you, Meredith, so much for joining us today. Thank um, you. You can learn a lot more about Marquette Lacrosse and Black Lacks on social media. So at Black Lacks Eagles or at Marquette W Lax. Or online through Marquette Athletics, or on www.black-lax.com, or honestly, just take the opportunity and go down to Valley Fields and catch a game because they're fun to watch. It's a great sport, especially if you've never seen it. Go watch it. You can learn about it. If you are a part of it, go support it because that's also how we help this culture continue to grow is by supporting the teams that are currently here. And I think you'll see how hard Marquette women's lacrosse works and how exciting of a game it can really be. So I highly suggest you check that out online and find a game that works for you. Um, But thanks to all our listeners for joining us today on the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know more about Meredith and the teams that she's involved with like I did. And we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for being here.
0: Hey, wait a second. Do you have a teammate or friend that's going through ACL rehab right now? We would love to help them. Quite frankly, the state of ACL rehab in this country is not great right now, with many athletes never returning fully to play at a high level and undergoing a second ACL injury quite commonly. We have a free online ACL masterclass that tells athletes and families everything that they need to know step-by-step from the time of surgery until their return to the field to help them get back, perform at a high level with a reduced risk of injury. This online class is totally free and you can sign up for it at the link in our bio at kinetic underscore SMP or at the link in the show notes of this podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you would share this with anyone that we could help recover from this injury.